Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. Welcome to Morton Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I am Red. And this week, we are your funeral home and home funeral directors. So I think a lot of us are familiar with the concept of a parlor. It's a room in the front of your house that generally has no purpose these days. But back in the day, it used to be used for a very specific reason. And whether it was briefly or for a long period of time... The parlor in the front of the house was often used to display bodies. And not just any bodies. These were the bodies of your family members, of your husband, your wife, your children, whoever might have passed away at home. Because back then, people didn't die so much in hospitals. People didn't die so much under hospice or in nursing homes. People died at home. And when you died at home, it was a family affair. Tasks like washing the dead, preparing for burial laying out the body and getting them ready in the casket were often given to family members. Obviously, at some point in our history, we kind of grew away from that model. People are dying in hospitals more often. It's a very sterile environment. We have funeral directors and funeral homes taking care of our deceased. A lot of what we used to do involving the deceased and our deceased relatives is very hands-off now. We don't touch the bodies. We don't want anything to do with the process of getting them prepared for burial, for cremation, anything like this. Um, How did this change? Why did it change? And what did it used to be like? So yeah, how did we get to where we are today? Really, if you look back in the old tomes and on the wall scratchings and caves. No, not really, but um, (laughs) some way, shape or form, death care professionals have been around forever. Obviously dead bodies have been around as long as people have, and we've needed people who dispose of those bodies. So we've always had somebody in the community, whether it's in the tribe or whatever it happens to be that would help dispose of these bodies. And as time went on, Um, what we think of in terms of, you know, the quote unquote undertaker was really just a salesman. Um, these were just, they started off as just salesmen, uh, cabinet makers, people that created funeral merchandises and, and built coffins. Um, and they eventually started to branch out a bit into doing, uh, extra things. So selling what ye olde printing looked like, like prayer cards and things like that. They started to diversify into the merchandises that they could sell for, Uh, others that are conducting funerals for families that were having services. Right. So we talked about how the funeral would be held at the family home. Um, Say you still wanted a coffin, but you didn't know how to make one. That's where that's that's where the undertaker would come into play. Right. Something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Basically to fill in the merchandise needs of of those things. You just you knew the the local guy who, you know, builds furniture and caskets. That's 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 just his thing. (laughs) (laughs) But at this point, 
the Undertaker wasn't involved with actually conducting any services. This is where the family really was involved. We're having the services, having people come to the you know parlor of their home to say goodbye to the deceased and to pay respects to the family as well. So what really started to uh, push this change for Undertakers to become more cemented in the funeral industry as we know it today uh started with really the civil war um and so the civil war obviously a lot of uh men and women are dying away from home uh in distant lands and these people their widows their parents want them back home and so they were traveling via train car to get home but arriving you know days and days later basically decomposed so embalming was already a thing that was being experimented with so thomas holmes really made that widespread and standardized uh here in the americas um and that became that became the standard you would have like an embalming tent on the battleground that you would embalm and then ship these folks on back home so embalming did first start to happen overseas and i think it was like the uk or some european country over there sorry guys um but of course it was brought over to the americas and this history is actually so interesting um i love it if you guys like know or listen to our last episode i talked about how i grew up like in the south on the east coast so around like the civil war battlegrounds and stuff like that so there's like we could talk about this in another episode like it's so crazy cool but basically what would happen was that soldiers would die on the battlefield there would be like embalmers and like trainee embalmers like running out to the battlefield to like get these people to embalm them like this this is industry was so booming and the money was there that there was literally people like running out to the bodies to go get them to embalm them like crazy stuff so cool so in conglomeration with that, we also have large cities becoming even larger. They're booming, they're developing, and there's overcrowding. Uh, also, people don't have like the big family home anymore. It's all these tiny little apartments, uh, not really conducive to having you know a, a, a body laid out for any extended period of time with visitors. Uh, and then we also have transportation of the deceased and family when there needs to be like a service at church and a body needs to go to church and as does the family, like they don't have the means of transporting these people to the places they need to go. So the undertakers basically saw like a need for more involvement and basically in slow progression inserted themselves into a niche that didn't exist and needed to because society had developed to a point that they needed an extra hand. And we talked about this before in one of our very early episodes, but the funeral director, as we know him or her or them, was <laughs> the funeral director, as we know them, was actually a profession way before the time of the medical examiner or pathologist or even coroner. So the funeral director has been around for a very, very long time, even before we knew like what was killing people specifically. Yeah, definitely. And so as funeral directors and funeral homes became a standardized things, some organizations started cropping up and laws came into effect that were to protect, you know, public health and safety, to protect, you know, the funeral home and the consumer. So that's where we kind of get to today is all of this stuff culminating together, uh, essentially. Yeah. So like I was saying before, like 
because we sort of started learning like what germs were and like what like decomposing means and like how people die and like what diseases are I feel like that's when there started to be more like regulations the pot the general population started to learn about these things too and became concerned with germs and became concerned with stuff that could possibly kill you so this kind of transferred over to how people view dead bodies and how people handle the deceased I think so as these regulations started to be put into place, uh, the funeral home obviously became an establishment in any sort of community. And oftentimes deaths started to be funneled through the funeral home almost like almost always. So like gradually it happened, but we're not seeing, you know, parlor funerals. We're not seeing wakes at anyone's home anymore. And it's mostly a concern for germs and for just, you know, convenience sake, honestly. Um, this was also a time in America, and this also came from overseas, is that funeral homes, like the more like elaborate and the more luxurious your funeral was, um, kind of indicated how successful you were in life and how much your family loved you. So this was something that happened where the consumer wanted, or the fam the client, the client family, wanted the best for their deceased relative and the funeral homes provided this they provided a nice you know um, community center for a funeral home to take place they provided great embalming so you looked like brand new like you weren't even dead um, they provided you know flowers and like adornments and beautiful caskets this is where we're moving away from the traditional home um, family take care of the body funeral to the like luxurious modern day funeral yeah, definitely. A lot more ritzy. We're going from like the Motel 8 to like the Ritz-Carlton of funerals at this point. <laughs> right. And I feel like what's kind of happening now, which is really interesting, is that there's this movement that we talk about all the time called the death positive movement. And it's basically about taking the traditionalist, like modern, modern traditional funeral home, which is like those two words don't go together, but it's it's what it's <laughs> called. <laughs> And, you know, bringing it back to the to the roots, like bringing it back to the roots. And I feel like this goes with a lot of stuff like, you know, like clean eating, like, you know, uh, environmentalism, stuff like this, like mm -hmm. taking the modern uh, traditional funeral and bringing it back to the home, um, moving away from embalming, even moving away from cremation. This is a movement that's happening that's, you know, still small, but I think it's quickly gaining ground for sure. Yeah, it's it's super, like you said, very small. It's about as small as the green movement is at this point, um, but it, it's there. It's definitely there. I've experienced it in the last year, maybe twice. So we actually talked about this when we guested over at Scary Stories We Tell podcast, which was great, by the way. Go listen to it if you have a chance. But there is, you know, a big death positive movement that a lot of people are jumping on. And if you want resources for that, a really, really, really good place to start is the Order of the Good Death, which is a group um, founded by Caitlin Doty, who I highly recommend for anything death positive. And it's really just like, you know, bringing everything back to, like I said before, the roots and, you know, taking away like the big, you know, kind of like behind the curtain, um, sort of like erasing death from our culture kind of view that modern traditional funerals have. Absolutely. And I, I think that a place to start with this, which we're seeing, I mean, this is, this is almost 
half, if not more, of the families that I serve, uh, it starts before death. It starts before somebody dies. So a really good way to get involved with this is hospice. Um, making sure that, you know, when our families fall ill and, you know, they're imminent, they are being, they're going to die to bring them back home, bring them to their home, bring them to your family home to take care of them as they pass on. Yeah, definitely. I love hospice. It's, it's kind of scary. Like I get it. I get that. You know, and that's the thing that we want to try to like conquer is that death is scary and we're afraid of the diseases. It's nothing to be afraid of, Um, especially with hospice. Like, you know, every family is different. I get it. Every family dynamic is different. But like if you can, you know, bring your family member home and, you know, they're terminally ill, like there's no chance that like sitting in a hospital is going to do them any good. Um, Bring them home. You know, you still have a nurse that comes and takes care of them depending on what hospice, you know, um, company you go with, it's really just scale to like what you're comfortable with. And, you know, you can have your relative pass away peacefully in a place that they're comfortable surrounded by their loved ones. And I, I think it's beautiful. Like I really appreciate hospice. Yeah, absolutely. It creates this connection uh, with our loved ones that we normally you you wouldn't be given the opportunity to have in the hospital. I mean, half the times people pass away at hospitals when their families aren't even there and Mm. you're, you know, alerted to it at three in the morning like, oh, sorry, grandpa died and you never got to have that goodbye. And they were essentially alone at a hospital by themselves mm-hmm. without their family mm-hmm. which is it's kind of heartbreaking and that's why I'm, I'm so glad that hospice is such a big thing now like it's like I said so many of the families that we serve so I feel like you know bringing the actual funeral back to the funeral home isn't that far-fetched when we think that we we're already bringing someone dying back to the home right So, you know, in hospice, you're basically set up in a hospital bed, like in your living room or bedroom or whatever. A funeral is essentially the same thing, except you're just like not living anymore. Um, Back in the day, they would literally just like put the bodies like in a bed or like, uh, like Red said, like in a coffin, like set up in like the parlor room or living room or whatever, and just have it there. And it's really, there's really no difference. The thing about dead bodies is that unless there's a specific disease process, they're really not that dangerous, especially within the first like 24 to 48 hours. Like they're really not like you're the germs on a dead body are not going to like kill you. Right. And that's why that's why I get tenuous when we talk about, you know, like passing on disease through body that bodies to like humans. It's it's once you get past those like 48 hours, that's when like bacteria are virulent enough within the bloodstream to actually like do anything. Um, right. But it's or so if it's, there's like a specific like disease, like, you know, like MRSA or, or tuberculosis. Like, yeah, yeah. MRSA. yeah. It's nothing to be afraid of. And actually something really cool that's been kind of gaining some headway is the, we talked about this before too, but the death doulas, I love the death doulas. I've never met one before, but I really want to um, basically think of, like a midwife so you know how a midwife goes to your home to help you deliver your baby at home or even in the hospital the death doula does the same thing except for you know a dying individual so preparing them for death because death is a big deal it's not just something that people are ready to do so having a death doula there to kind of guide you through that and even guide the family through that and all those emotions and what decisions to make and what you can do is really advantageous for most people 
So I actually had a, a coworker that recently worked with a family uh, who had a younger younger child pass away. He was like in his twenties, I believe, and he was like he was asking me questions. He was like, "Oh my god, I don't know what to do," uh, because this family didn't want anything to do with us. They knew that mm. they had to have the funeral home involved to get the death certificate signed and filed away. Uh, with the clerk's office. But besides that, they did not want their son to come to our funeral home. They did not want him involved. They did. They wanted to take him to his grave themselves. And like both of us, I, I remember I, I felt so bad. I was so unprepared because we're both looking at each other like, I don't I don't actually know about this. So it's very important to check your state laws uh, as a funeral director and as a family <laughs> to see what actually necessitates like uh, having a funeral home involved. Some states there has to be a funeral home involved. Some states, you can file your own death certificates uh, and basically do everything. As long as you're reporting correctly to all of the proper channels, obviously you have to report a death to either like police department or whoever have you if it's an at-home death. Um, but yeah, you you can, you have the rights to do this. So just, just so there's no confusion about like whether it's legal to do these things. A lot of places it is. It's just a matter of checking what your uh, state laws are at the state level. Yeah, and that's really cool about the death certificates. I didn't know that some states allowed for like individuals to file. Um, but yeah, I mean, every like we said before, every state is different. So like, just check your state laws, or you know, if you know someone in the funeral industry, or if you know a nice funeral home, they might tell you the state laws. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's good to just check if this is something you're interested in, and this would be. For like, you know, if you have like, if you do live on a farm and you have like a family plot and you want to, you know, bury uh, your relative there, there's, you know, there's ordinances and, you know, stuff like this. And like, I'm sure there's like a, like you have to do six feet down or something like this, but you know, it's, it's doable. It's not highly regulated like people think it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say one thing, though. I don't want to see any of you guys burying grandma in your backyard without telling the cops, okay? This is not what this is about. Right. That, <laughs> you then, still that, have that to gets, report the death. Yeah, you have to report the death. Like, please, let, let's not get this get this twisted. Like, somebody needs to know that your loved one passed away. <laughs> <laughs> So having services back in the home, uh, reclaiming this sense of uh, connection with our loved ones that pass away is extremely important. And maybe maybe you're not on that level yet. Maybe maybe you're not on the level of, of comfortability of having, you know, your deceased loved one at home. If you still want to contract with a funeral home to take care of your mom, your grandma, whatever, there's still ways that you can be involved and have that connection without having to have a full-blown funeral at your house um and so these are things that i personally as a director always try to recommend to families or do for my families because it does mean so much more to them so something that you can ask your funeral director uh maybe coming in to do like the final bathing or doing hair and makeup for your loved one because um, honestly can... funeral directors would love it if you did the hair and makeup <laughs> because you know what your deceased loved one looks like better than any of us do with the photos that you've given us so it would definitely behoove you to do <laughs> hair and makeup for us <laughs> um, other things you can do is just being involved in the service itself so picking out a personalized poem or writing a eulogy uh, or even something like a balloon release, something that gets you know you involved in the service or allows others to be involved in the service like uh, taking 
like creating a takeaway for guests. Something that I like to do for my families is that, you know, if they say, oh, well, grandpa really liked golfing or grandma really liked baking. Uh, I make little takeaways for the guests that come to the funerals. So I've done before where I take little like golf tees and golf balls and like put a little flag around them that say, you know, in memory of, you know, so-and-so and their dates. So yeah. next time that they, their family goes out to play 18 holes, they can use the special tee from the services that they had for grandpa. So little things like that, that like are little memories that create basically a promise in the future to remember this person. Like, yeah, I'm going to actively go out and in memory of my grandpa play a round of golf in his memory, you know, things like that, that, you know, bring us back and don't let us forget the person that we loved so much. Another thing that I've seen before, especially working in a cemetery that I think is like really nice and it's like a little thing that you can do to get everyone involved is the idea of taking at, at the cemetery, um, we're about to end tour, um, grabbing a, like a handful of dirt and like tossing it into the, into the grave. Oh yeah. Um, I like that one too. Or like taking like a flower from the from the flower arrangement and tossing it into the grave. I think a lot of people just really like that because it's like them participating actively like in the act of burial and like in the, f- the funeral of their loved one. Yeah, absolutely. Because when someone passes away, I feel like a lot of people have to take a back seat to everything that's going on. There's like this loss of control. Like you're basically, you know, by the time, like from the time that you arrive to the funeral home on the day of a service to the time you leave the cemetery, you've just been like there. You've been an audience member to everything that's happening. And like, it's almost like disassociating like mm-hmm. the entire time. And like, there's this moment every time that I ask, you know, if like family to come up and grab a flower or another ceremony I do, it's like a handprint ceremony where you place your hand on the casket and leave fingerprints on the casket. Um, you see this like kind of light come into people's eyes that like wakes them up and reminds them like this person meant something to me i'm being asked to do something to like leave with them just like all those memories that they left with me or in my heart forever now i get to do something to like commemorate them and it it really it, it changes the whole emotion for what's going on to include people in into what's going on instead of just you can come you can watch you can't touch you leave Right. And these are just small things. Like, we're not asking you to have grandma out on your living room sofa. Like, we're not asking you for that unless you want to. Like, that's cool. (laughs) But, you know, these are just small things. Like, even if you're a funeral director listening right now, like, these are small ideas that you can bring to your family, even if they're not interested in the death positive movement, even if they don't know anything about it. Just having these interactions that you can give them to kind of, you know, push this along to everyone. You know, everyone can do this. It's not just something reserved for like the hip trendy funeral kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And like we we literally, we crave, like psychologically, we crave ritual and ceremony. It's so important for us to do. So any way that we can get people involved, like it's, it's invaluable to them. It really is because these things, even though it seems silly, we've done a hundred funerals, you know, and we've, we've done it a hundred times and it's commonplace for us. Like these things matter for people because they only go to so many funerals in their life and these things will be remembered i actually had a family um come back within a year i lost another loved one and unfortunately they didn't get to deal with me they dealt with another director uh and the director came to me he's like what is what is the handprint ceremony they asked me to do the handprint ceremony and i'm like see it works (laughs) like these people like it stays with them forever yeah that's so nice honestly that's so nice to hear even when it comes to like down the line things like it doesn't have to just be at the funeral itself but just remembering these people like 
every week or every month or like on the anniversary of their passing just making sure that they we keep their memory alive in some way shape or form because it's so easy for us to just want to kind of like throw it away like i don't want to feel bad anymore so this is over and we're done with it and then you like don't even like speak their name like it's like saying voldemort to say your loved one's name again you know mm -hmm. like it's okay to remember those people and to talk about them to talk about death and how it makes us feel absolutely and i think that's the the main point of the death positive movement is to like like stop hiding death like it's okay like it's okay to have these emotions it's okay everyone dies like it's okay to be involved it's okay to deal with it in your own way that makes you comfortable and you know it's not something that we should be um demonizing it's not something that we should be afraid of like that's i think that's the whole thing about the death positive movement it's just being aware and being present and like being in the moment and i think like small things like this and even like big things can definitely help with that and i think you know everyone has the capacity to to be able to do that i agree especially in the society that we live in today it's extremely fast-paced the lifestyles that we live a lot of people get little to no bereavement time when it comes to like spending time to you know make arrangements for their family but also just like be in their emotions like we've basically developed to the point that we're production like it's all about production and grief gets in the way of production and so we try to push down our emotions we segregate the dead and dying in a hospital so we don't have to see them dying and see the illness and be bummed out about it and We've outsourced bodies to funeral homes so funeral directors can take care of it because our lives are just so busy. And that's that's just what happens when you, you de when society develops to the point that we specialize as hard as we do. I mean, everything is so specialized. I mean, you know when you're like meeting a new person and you're like, oh, so what do you do? And he's like, yeah, I'm in a transportation analytics and development. And it's just like, what does that even mean? But that's that's the society we live in we we need that guy to do that job because we just have so much going on and so many people to take care of on like the global level so that's that's why that we've gotten to this point so it's okay it's okay that funeral homes exist it's okay that funeral directors exist but it's also okay that you know death duels exist and people want to have funerals at home there is definitely a future where these two concepts can live in peace together. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. There can be options. That's the glory of life is that it doesn't have to be cookie cutter. We can do all sorts of things. Yeah. Like, do I think we're ever going to go back to the days where like uh, grandpa's dying in bed and like we wash his face with like, you know, white linens and like a, <laughs> the washing tub or whatever? Like, yeah, no, right. you know what I mean? Like, and we're not going to, you know, wheel him out with a horse and buggy. Like it's not happening. But there are, you know, small things that we can do to make it better, make it more personable and make it like more familiar, make death more familiar with everyone and not so scary and not so hidden away. So we just wanted to give you guys some things to think about maybe the next time you're at a funeral for some distant relative or, you know, people are, you know, not really sure what to do. Um, you can ask the funeral director for explain to them what a handprint ceremony is. Maybe they'll be like totally fascinated by it. And there's no reason why they wouldn't let you do it. Um, they, uh, ask about throwing in a handful of dirt on top of the coffin. Ask about any of the things that we've talked about. Like the really cool thing about funerals is that um you are the boss like you are the boss so ask for it and you probably will get some version of it if not exactly what you asked for um I'm, am i like being too 
is that too much? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I've, I've had I've had families ask me for plenty of things, and I have pretty much never had to say no, except for the time a family wanted to put a gun in the casket. Can't do that. Um, but, <laughs> but, but likewise, like same thing. Funeral directors back on. Like all of these little things that I've done for families, I have never had a family come back to me and say, "Well, I didn't like that. I didn't like that you gave us." Uh, like a jar full of cookie ingredients so we could bake cookies in grandma's honor because she loved baking. Like I have, I have never, <laughs> ever had that happen. So who it's, would it's, not like that? Come on. Exactly. Exactly. People love so the amount awesome. of thought that we can put into something and it makes the service one to remember instead of one to try to move through and easily forget. It's going to make it so much more meaningful for everyone involved. So the first and most important thing that we all can do is just have a conversation about death with our families, with our loved ones. Just sit down, maybe over dinner, maybe over some drinks. Uh, Have a little conversation about what's important to you, what you want, what you like, what you don't like, what you're thinking about, anything really. Just get that conversation started. So it's time for you guys to start talking, but for us to stop talking, because that's it for this week on Mort Mike. We love to connect with you guys on our socials. Like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in a comment, or drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear, or burning questions you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marson for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at Marson, that's M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marson. And be sure to tune in every other week on Thursdays for some more casual discussions on death. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye. Bye.